Hello, everyone, and inside today's episode of Locked On Canadians, we make it up to you for missing one show. We're going to talk about the Habs win over the Penguins and how this team is not the same as last year's team. And then it's time for three up and three down, as we do every week. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 725 of Lockdown Canadians. We are your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast. And as always, thank you for making us your first listen. If you're listening to us wherever you get your daily podcast, if you're watching us on YouTube and you're watching me and what is left of my voice struggle along here, thank you for subscribing. Please make sure you ring the bell to get notified every time we post a new video or when we go live. I am one of your beleaguered co-hosts. I am Scott Matla. And if you are wondering why I sound like a 14-year-old child going through puberty again. My voice is shot from the Bills-Vikings game on Sunday. I was in no condition to record, unfortunately, so we did not have a Sunday episode. However, you don't have to listen to this all show, only part of the show, because I'm once again joined by my fantastic co-host, the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, welcome back. I sound like garbage, and the Habs are fun still, so it's not like much has changed. (laughs) <laughs> you don't sound like garbage. Uh, you generally, thank you, first of all, for the warm welcome. Also, thank you to all of our listeners who uh, said that they missed me. I really felt loved. I, I'm so sorry that uh, my flight arrived so late last night that I was not able to put out an episode for you guys today, which I was, which was the original plan, was I was going to try and do a three up and three down without having seen any games during the week and not having seen any news. I was on vacation, so I'm quite out of the loop, uh, but I did try to catch up as much as possible for this episode. But I just want to say about my co-host, first of all, thank you so much for carrying the show. It hasn't just been my vacation week. I had a work trip a while ago. You know, he's been he's been really there for me as I've been going through a lot of stuff in my life. Um, and he's been been really good at his job. Like Scott has become a noticeably prominent voice in Montreal Canadiens uh, discourse. And I'm so proud of him and I'm so happy uh, to get to work with him. But I am back now. Scott will take some much much needed, much earned vacation time uh, coming up soon. And I have some, li- some episodes lined up. But uh, I just wanted to say thank you. And I hope all of our listeners appreciate all the work that he's put in, not just last week while I was off, but also prior to this as well. Like the last couple of months, like Scott has really been carrying the show. And if you want to send your thanks to any of us before Elon Musk burns down Twitter at the end of the week, you can tweet us (laughs) at LO underscore Canadians at Scott Matlin at the active stick. Uh, We are currently nowhere else. Uh, I will explore that option when I have the brain power to do so, because I want to jump into this uh, Saturday. I actually did not get a chance to watch this Montreal Canadiens game live. I was at a law firm holiday event with my girlfriend I was getting the updates for what seemed like an incredible game. The Canadians win 5-4 in overtime. A Mike Hoffman overtime winning goal. And we, don't worry, we will get to Mike Hoffman and everything else in the relatively near future here. The Habs continue to just be one of the most fun teams in the NHL right now. They were winning. They were losing. They were everything in between in this game. But they were never boring. 
They were never boring at any point in this game. And it's so different from last year where the Habs, even if they jumped out to like a four goal lead, you're like, I don't trust this at all. And now they go down two goals. I'm like, ah, oh, they got a shot. This is going to be great. Are the metrics there for sustained success? No. Do I care? No. They 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 are never out of it, I think, is that they are never, ever out of it. And I think that's all we could really ask this year for a young team is that no matter what, they're going to try. The effort is there. And in the game against the Penguins, Caden Gooley kept Sidney Crosby off the score sheet for a second time this year. That's incredible stuff. Kirby Doc, Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, you know the story already. They're coming to play every single night, and they still don't have their number one defenseman healthy. They're, they're fun. They're a really fun story this year. And if you don't agree, you're just a hater. And I hate to say it, but you are. There's so much fight in this team. This is really funny because, Scott, you and I are both numbers people. Uh, we watch all the games, or we watch most of the games, as evidenced by what you just said. Um, <laughs> but we we do like numbers. We do have a lot of faith in data. We do like to, you know, analyze a little bit closer and see what shooting percentages are. Sometimes people are shooting way above their regular average, uh, things like that. And, you know, we like to measure luck. We like to measure the fact, the goaltending factor and the overall uh, wins of the team. Like, we, we, we really like numbers. But I think one thing that people assume when you're a numbers person is that you don't like all the other stuff, all the intangibles that you're not really watching. And that's not true. And, and to me, I think part of it is skill and talent. And a part of it is will and strategy. Like, does your coach put you in the position where even if you might be a player that has multiple weaknesses – like, do they shelter those weaknesses? Do they shelter you in those situations and put you in places to succeed? Um, if they identify something that you're particularly good at, that maybe your overall game, you're not an elite talent, but if you're particularly good at that thing and you happen to be on this roster, coaches don't usually make make decisions, right? It's the general managers that bring in players. You happen to be on this roster and you're like good at this particular thing. Can they bring it out of you? Can they put you in the in-game situations that you're going to excel at that? And I think that it's a combination, right? So like the, the young players are hungry. We talk so much about how they're trying to prove themselves. There's no quit in them. There's like so much fight in them. That makes it fun. So whether or not they're good players or whether or not they're playing against a team way better than them, that makes the aspect of it fun. Whereas like previously, they didn't have that resilience. They didn't have that inspiration. When things went wrong, they didn't know where to go to get answers. They didn't have the answers themselves, which is fine. You don't always have the answer yourself, like especially as a young player. They didn't have anyone to go to that would give them those answers. So I think all of that stuff coming together is making for a really good, good, fun season to watch, you know? And it just because the Canadians aren't one of the top teams, just because they're still in the rebuild year doesn't mean that we can't have fun. Like I look at you know, the fun that Detroit Red Wings fans had last year, particularly in the first half of the season, you know, Buffalo particularly in the, in the beginning of the season. So like this feels like one of those things where eventually it'll even out. Eventually we'll get, we'll get our higher draft pick. You know, we're aiming for a top five. Eventually that'll happen. But for now, like we have to enjoy it. And I just, I think that, I think that it's, it's just, it's so much more fun and exciting than I thought it would be to be in a rebuild, if that makes sense. As it stands right now, the Habs are tied for the second wild card spot in the Eastern Conference, leading teams like 
surprisingly, the Flyers, the Capitals, the Penguins. Uh, and then, Jay, sorry, we love you. The Blue Jackets are at the bottom, topped only by the Senators and Sabres. So, like, they're a surprisingly fun team. Are, again, I'm not saying they're good, but they're fun. And they're we're, I f- if I sound like a broken record in more ways than one, I'm sorry, but they're going to lose games eventually. But I don't care because I see the growth necessary that I'm not worried about the future of this rebuild or the young guys or anything like that. I see a good, bright future ahead for this team as long as they stick to their plan here and don't, oh, well, we've got this, got that. Stick to your plan because it's served you well this far. And it is now, we're recording on Monday, so this will be for our Tuesday episode. It is our first episode of the week. That means it's time for three up and three down, and that's all coming up next. But first, today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.net, and they are your number one source for all your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You want to bet on hockey, you can bet on hockey. The NBA, NCAA basketball are in full swing. The NFL, crazy weekend, NCAA football, everything, boxing, MMA, golf, whatever you want, BetOnline has you covered with up-to-the-minute odds, lines, podcasts, news, anything you could possibly need, they have there. So I'm telling you right now, fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed, head to their website today. That's betonline.net. Or use your mobile device to learn more. And remember, bet online, it's where the game starts. We are back. We are locked on Canadians. And normally, our first episode of the week, which would normally be Monday, but we missed it due to various personal reasons. We do our three up and three down uh, to start the week. And there are really only two down things this week because it's very hard for me to find anything to nitpick with a Canadians team that is playing as cohesively as it has right now, we could point out that, you know, suspensions bad, not what we want, but it's done. That's over with. Uh, I want to take a moment that a lot of people have asked what's going on with the Laval rocket. I tried to do a little bit of a spiel on that last week. It's not easy to pin down every game. It's something different. They had a really strong overtime win. Um, against Utica and they earned that win. And then they followed it up with two very poor performances. They can't get any consistency going. And there are veterans on that team that they need to step up and play a bigger role. Anthony Richard has been great. Alex Belzeal and Donick Martel. They need more out of that. They need more from Madison Bowie. They're being led by a lot of these young guys. Justin Barron looks phenomenal. Xavier Simino is going to drive teams. Absolutely nuts. But Laura and I have talked about this a lot is having all the young guys is great, but you still need veterans to help steady the ship when things go wrong or people get hurt or they need to battle through a rough patch. And that's not happening right now. And it is frustrating because the team isn't playing poorly. They're just not playing consistently. And I think that's a huge issue with the team right here. And Laura, I know you were out of town, but I don't know if you had any thoughts you wanted to add into that at all. I think for me, they're kind of running out of time to figure it out is is my problem, right? We're almost at U.S. Thanksgiving, which for the NHL is a huge benchmark. I know in Laval, things can change. Um, things can change really quickly. I just find that the answer is there, right? Like these players are not bad. They're not. 
And I think the coach is not bad either. I just find that there's just, there's some, I think it's like you said, there's this maturity level that's missing and there's this experience level that's missing. And that has to be, that has to be fixed in some way, but I just, I'm not, I'm not worried about the rocket. I'm just a little bit annoyed because at this point I know it's going to be close all the way till the end of the season, right? Like they're going to make, if they're going to make the playoffs, it's going to be at the very end. Even last year when they were phenomenal, they made the playoffs at the very end. So I'm not too worried about that aspect of it. I think they're they're still going to fix it. They're just running out of time to kind of get together, get an identity together, if that makes sense. And and that's, you're exactly right is because in their division, like the Syracuse crunch, aren't playing well, but they still put up eight goals on Utica the other night. They play in a tough division where every game counts. Like Toronto is on fire. Belleville's always tough. You got to put something together here to build on. And if you don't build a base, you're just building in quicksand and it's going to fall apart or sink very quickly. The goaltending's, you know, not been where it needs to be, but I don't think they've been bad across the board. And it's, it is frustrating because they're running out of time, even though they're not really doing anything overtly wrong. They just can't get one consistent effort after another. And I think that hurts, you know, morale's got to be a little tough in the locker room right now. And I think they can, there is still time for them to bounce back from this. And we only have one other down this week. We're not really going to harp too much on players just because there isn't really much to harp on in terms of players with this. The Canadians on Saturday night, announced something very unexpected. They have an official reverse retro mascot whose name is Metal. And I have seen two reactions to this. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Or what are you doing? And I'm leaning more and more towards side one where the dude has a Lemmy Killmeister mustache. Like, What's not to love about this? Like, I it's also a mascot. It's not that deep, but that's just me. I think it's a down for failure to truly explain what it is. <laughs> I think that's why it's a down, right? Like, so I was like sitting at the airport, uh, waiting to board my flight back, and I got all these messages, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" Like, one of the mailbag questions popped up on my notifications. It was like, "Is this Canadian's mascot supposed to replace Yuppie? What is this?" And I was like, what, what, what? And so I like, go back and I scroll back and it's like this thing that happened that I was asleep on. I was asleep, obviously I was on the other side of the world. So, um, and I, I was like, okay, so the Canadians did this thing. And then, so I had to like ask, I have a group chat with some other EOTP alumni. And I was like, is this a real thing? Is somebody like pulling my leg in the mailbag? What's going on? I, I just, I don't understand it. That's why it's a doubt. It's not because it's bad necessarily, um, it does seem kind of cool and awesome and like weird and stuff like that. But like, what, what, why? Like, what does metal have to do with the reverse retro anything? Like the reverse retro is clearly based on the Expos, right? And is like, is this like a metal bat? Like what, Yuppie was the Expos mascot. Like it, it just doesn't, none of this makes sense. That's the only thing. So obviously you know your situation is good when one of your downs is the Canadians didn't properly explain their new mascot. And if you ever want to read about like the history of mascots and some of the stuff um, or in minor leagues, uh, Andrew Zadarnowski at Eyes on the Prize did a very long look back in which one of the mascots was ejected from an AHL game 
I believe, for taunting Don Cherry. Um, and then it was also discontinued after having a very racist flag or sign or something that was not great. The, I, like you said, it's a reverse retro homage to the Expos. That's just what Yuppie is. I don't, I, I don't get it. But seeing how intense people get about mascots now is like it's concerning. The whole fun of it. It's like I love mascots because like they were there for kids, but like adults have such like intense reactions and discourses about it that it's it it makes it fun for us too. There was a whole thing on Twitter about how other mascots don't like gritty. Like mm-hmm. people take this too seriously. It's not that deep. They're mascots, people. Everybody chill. I promise you, it's not for you. It's for your kids. Like Wu-Tang, it's for the kids. So <laughs> uh, we will leave the mascot discourse. Please let us know your opinions. We are on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. We do want to know so much more about what you think about metal, the new Habs reverse retro mascot. And coming up in our next segment, we are going to be talking the ups of this week. We have so many we could potentially get to. We're going to try and pick three, and that's all coming up next. But also, today's show is brought to you by the folks at Simply Safe. With the holidays right around the corner, you're getting packages delivered to the house, and you never know if someone's going to come along and swipe something off your front porch. And right now, our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% off their award-winning security system so that you or your family can feel more safe and secure this holiday season. So make sure you order your Simply Safe system for half off today and enjoy advanced security and greater peace of mind during the holiday season. Like I said, you've got gifts coming in the holiday season. I don't want my nephew's Christmas present or birthday present to go missing off the front porch. So that's why I trust in Simply Safe. They were named Best Home Security System of 2022 by US News and World Report for a third year in a row. And in an emergency, they have 24-7 professional monitoring agents who use fast protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence, verify if the threat is real so you can get a priority police response to your house if you need it. So don't miss your chance to say big on the only security system we recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com/lockdownnhl today. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That is simplysafe.com/lockdownnhl and remember there's no safe like Simply Safe. We are back. We are locked on Canadians. And as always, thank you for subscribing wherever you are watching or listening to this. Uh, we may be in the surprising few new places. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I don't know if I can actually tell you where that place is yet. So, anyways, we're going to finish out our show here. We always like to finish on a high note, we don't like to finish on a sour note or talking about whatever few bad things we have. It is time for the three up of the week. And the first one is, and I've already started eating crow on this. The Mike Hoffman revenge tour continues to roll on in Montreal game winner against Pittsburgh. Really big week. That trade value is just skyrocketing. Like unlike Twitter stock and everything else, it is through the roof right now. Laura, we both have to admit Maybe we were a little bit harsh on Mike Hoffman. And we said once he gets hot, he gets real hot. So I'm hoping that with teams suffering injuries or needing some scoring, they're looking at this and going, that's our dude. That's the one we want right now. Ken Hughes goes, he's all yours and we're good to go. 
So all it took for Mike Hoffman to do well was for me to go to France. So if he drops off now this week, we'll know that uh, I just need to permanently go to France. That's what's going to happen. I, I'm, I'm impressed, honestly. Like the thing with Mike Hoffman is that for all our criticisms, I don't think that it's his fault, right? Like Mark Bergevin offered him the contract that made the most sense to him, right? That was the thing is that, and we knew that Blues fans were sorry to see him go. But at the same time, I think the clear message in that was the fact that like nobody else gave him that contract. I think that's that's one of those things. And obviously the GM did not plan for the team to be such a disaster last year. But the way that the team was built, like Mike Hoffman can't just be an add-in for one thing. Like you can't build teams like that anymore. In today's NHL, you can't be one-dimensional. Unfortunately, he's one-dimensional. But the good thing is that that one thing that he's good at the last couple of weeks, he's been really, really good at it. Puck in net good. Like He seemed engaged in a way that it's like he's playing in a role that suits him. I don't think he's meant to be a leading player in this production, but in his secondary role and in overtime, he's engaged and it's working in a way to the Canadians' favor. And I don't know if it was just simplify it a little bit, you know? He's been in the right place. He's been in front of the net cleaning up rebounds. He's getting open. He's All three of his goals that I've seen in the last week were because he was near the net waiting for a rebound and not floating on the outside waiting to shoot it. And that's okay. We know you can shoot and score from distance. That's awesome. Getting engaged and doing it in front of the net if for a Canadian team that works hard. You know, outside of Cole Caulfield and maybe Nick Suzuki, they're not a score from range kind of team. They're a work hard and get them over the line kind of things. And I appreciate that he's buying into that a little bit. I admittedly long-term don't know how it's going to last because streaky scoring is streaky scoring. It's just a fact of the NHL matter, and that's how it goes. But I am happy to really see him stepping up in this way. I do want to get to Kirby Doc in uh, in a second. I want to end this with him. I, I'm torn between it being Nick Suzuki or Samuel Montembeau as my other up this week. So I'm going to make it both because Nick Suzuki continues to defy shooting percentage logic and Samuel Montembeau continues to just be extremely full value for what $1.2 million a year posting a near 940 save percentage and playing well. It, it's everything the Canadians could have hoped for with either player this year. I am sorry. I was on mute <laughs> as always. I just, I love the way that Nick Suzuki is just kicking it into, into newer gears every time I am following his development. And, you know, we talk a lot about like, is he there yet or not? And I think he's going to continue to surprise us as for Samuel Montembeau. I think, I think he's not as bad as some of his results showed last year. He was playing injured for much of the, the, the season and he had a lot on him I think he's a lot better than we thought he was, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, he, he's he been what they needed. He's been way above what they've needed, to be quite honest. If Samuel Montembeau came in and was a 905 goalie this year, I'd go, you know what, that's fine. We would have killed for that last year. And we only got it when Jake Allen was healthy for a little while there. He's everything this team's kind of needed right now. And I'm glad he's rewarding their faith in him. 
because he really he really did kind of go through the ringer last year playing hurt for this team so they didn't have to rush Caden Primo up or sign anybody else or make a trade. He's done he's rewarded them in kind for that. And so is Jake Allen, you know, who's played a lot of tough games here for the Canadians and they're paying it off for him right now and they're paying it off cheaply too, which is a huge factor for them. Uh we do miss Carey Price and everything, but man you can't argue that they're getting results even with him, you know, sidelined right now. And we're going to shift to the final thing here. Kirby Doc's amazing. That 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 is my statement for this is that we thought he might be the answer at second line center. It turns out he was the answer at first line left wing. Since he's been put up there, the expected goals number has risen in terms of uh Caulfield and Suzuki and made it a lot more sustainable. And he's just been so good. Uh, I know Nathan at Eyes on the Prize is working on an article that should be out tomorrow uh, comparing his center play and wing play. I don't fully know what's made it click, but I look at this Kirby Doc trade, and Laura, I have to ask, are we ready to already call this a win for the Canadians based on early returns, or is that just me being a little bit uh, full of hubris because he's been so good for the Habs so far this year? Essentially, the Canadians traded... Alexander Romanov for Kirby Doc, right? And a thirteenth overall pick, yeah. Like they traded Romanov for uh, Romanov in ninety eighth, or the thirteenth overall pick, and packaged that in sixty sixth for Kirby Doc to Chicago. And the Blackhawks drafted Frank Nazar, who is someone I really liked, but he has not played this year. He is injured, so it might be too soon to tell. But I look at this and I go, Kirby Doc's twenty one years old. And Chicago's rebuilding. And you're telling me they couldn't use him or Debrinkat to build around for the next wave of your prospects? That's that's bad GMing. You got rid of your really, really young, talented core pieces because you didn't know how to use them. And that's that's not going to bode well for Chicago's future, to be quite honest. I'm just happy that Doc is continuing to show that he's not a bust. Yeah, the percentages will kind of balance out, but all the underlying metrics, all the on-ice stuff, Kirby Doc rules so hard, and I know that's not a detailed analysis that people were hoping for, but how can you argue with how well it's worked out so far? He's one of the lead- leaders uh, that Evolving Hockey put out today in their games above replacement. He's in there, and this is a guy who started the season on like the Canadians' third line, and he's up there. It's, I think, it's stunning. I think the perspective that I want to look at is not necessarily are the Habs winning the Kirby Doc contract uh, trade. Because again, you brought up Frank Nazar. I completely forgot that part of the equation. Because in my mind, I was like, Montreal loses Alexander Romanov. Montreal gains Kirby Doc. Um, but you got to look at his contract. And how good does that look right now? <laughs> I that's like, He signed at, what, 3.6 for the next four years. It is still a restricted free four years. That counts this year, so three more after this. Either way, and he's still a free agent at the end of it. Like that to me is like it's a bargain. You mean he's it, still a restricted free agent after it? It's a stunningly good bit of work from Kent Hughes so far, and I know it's incredible. It's early. You do not have to tell me it's early, but I'm gonna take the fun where I can get it before the, the everything balances itself out. Uh, that is going to wrap up our episode for this week. We will be back after the game against the Devils tomorrow or today when you are listening to this. It is Monday when we are recording this. 
Um, we will be live after that and have an episode in your inbox for Wednesday morning. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can follow Laura at The Active Stick. You can follow me at Scott Matlow. Well, Twitter still exists anyways. Uh, please make sure you subscribe wherever you get your daily podcast for listening. And make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Please ring the bell to get notified every time we have a new episode. And folks, we will see you all next time.